0: In this episode of Order Within, I sit down with Will Johnston, U.S. Navy SEAL veteran, former collegiate athlete, co-founder of the Superior Mind App, and mental performance consultant. We discuss issues of mental health, personal development, the struggle of transitioning from a military to a civilian lifestyle, the importance of clear life goals and purpose, and the significance of consistent actions in making progress in life. Will shares his insights, stories, strategies, and actions to help each of us live the best version of our lives. So let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to Order Within, navigating a world of endless chaos and crisis. Many of us are experiencing inner turmoil, insecurity, anxiety, fears, and isolation. These feelings are only being amplified by news cycles, social media, and never-ending political madness. How do we find our way out of the chaos? How do we find strength within ourselves? How do we find meaning in a world driven by materialism? These questions and many more I aim to answer on the show. My goal is to be a trusted guide on your journey to selfhood. May you find what you seek. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Brandon Ward. Back with another episode of Order Within. I've got a great guest today. Very excited to talk to Mr. Will Johnston. He is a United States Navy SEAL veteran, former collegiate basketball player for Virginia Tech, and currently a mental performance consultant and co-founder of the Superior Mind App with a master's in sport and performance psychology. Will, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Brandon. Great, Great being here. Of course.
0: Well, I think you're my you're the second veteran I've had on the show. I'm excited to talk. I mean, honestly, I always love interacting, engaging with veterans. I, I've always had a deep reverence for our military and and the work that you all do. It's it makes me sometimes sad with the lack of support that exists in our society sometimes for for some of our for our veterans. And I think that was one of the things that we initially connected on, I thought was interesting about your story, you know, becoming a Navy SEAL and being a Navy SEAL is a very high, high mark of accomplishment for a a lot of people. A lot of people would revere that accomplishment, but you and your journey, you got out of Navy SEALs and you had a bit of a, you hit a bit of a rough patch and that kind of put you off on a, on a different journey, didn't it? And that's what led you to where you are today.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, was getting all the teams kind of realized going out into the real world is what we call it and you (laughs) don't civilians um, right right you don't have that system of support and that tight-knit community and just that brotherhood and team with you anymore and that was a system of accountability that was such a strong connection for me and when I was getting out didn't realize how isolated I would feel and I didn't know what I was going to get into yet, didn't know I was going to get into mental performance and get my master's in performance psychology. So it was kind of a rough patch of trying to figure it out and definitely struggled a bit and can see you guys that are getting out now, they've been reaching out and they're going through the same thing. So trying to help guide them through that process as well, knowing how difficult it is.
0: Which is awesome about the work you're doing, man, because there are a lot of, I, I would imagine there are a lot of veterans that could connect with a guy like you and could learn from you and, and and gain from, it's super helpful just knowing you're not alone so much too, right? I think just, and you sharing your story is is very, it takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes a lot of courage to admit the vulnerability, admit that dark point you hit, you know? I mean, so I, I think that's a testament to the work that you've done on yourself and the trajectory of your career and where you're going. So that makes me feel good knowing that there are guys like you out there still doing great work like that. What (laughs) was it, what was it initially that drew you into the military?
1: So it started my senior year of college. I had no intention or plans of going into the military whatsoever, honestly, was even questioning why people would want to do it. Obviously, my mindset shifted greatly, Mm. but at the time... Leading into high school, college, I was just not into it at all. Didn't understand the the marching, the discipline, all that type of stuff. And it's funny looking back now how things shifted so much. But <laughs> my senior year of college, my head coach, when I was playing basketball at Virginia Tech, he gave me a book on the Navy SEALs. Uh, it was called Fearless. It was about Adam Brown. Highly, highly recommend the book to anyone, even if you don't want to be a seal. But I received that book from him because he had saw some in me during practices and our preseason training, what we called a boot camp. And he was speaking with the media and referred to me as Navy Seal like tough. And then he gave me that book that same week. And so up until that time, I didn't really know what Navy Seals were about. Obviously, I'd heard the term and knew there was just. Tough military training. And then I read that book, started looking into it more, and immediately my path shifted from either going into med school or playing basketball overseas professionally into going into the uh, Navy SEAL training pipeline.
0: Wow. That's a big it's, pivot, man. It med was. school or overseas basketball, or probably the most intense military training program in the world, <laughs> to, yeah. at least arguably, right? Right. Um, right. That's, that's incredible. And so when we didn't talk about this either. And when we first connected, what your collegiate career, your basketball career. So was this, was that later in your career? Like, did you play? Honestly, I meant to do this before. I meant to look up because I'm a, a, I went to Marshall University. So I'm obviously very familiar with Virginia Tech. There's like a lot of connection with those. It's a great school. I actually studied architecture when I was in high school, almost went to school at Virginia Tech because I got a great architecture program.
1: Yep. But, yeah, sure. but, yep.
0: but uh yeah, exactly. But how like what was your basketball journey like and as a collegiate athlete? What I'm sure it instilled in you a lot of the discipline and things that you learned too, I, I would totally. imagine.
1: Totally. Yeah. So I went in as a walk on my freshman year. I was basically just figuring I'd be a practice player throughout my career. Maybe I'd make it all four years there. Who knows if the practice player grind or sitting on the bench would lead to what, you know playing all four years. And then after my freshman year, I really just kind of flipped a switch and it was really, I credit a lot to my strength coach at the time, David Jackson. He was such a instrumental figure to me and still is a mentor to me. It was literally Mm. just texting him this morning. And he just helped me find my fire, I guess you would call it Mm. and really pushed me. And because of that, was able to start starting and getting in the games towards the end of my sophomore year. And then sophomore through senior year, just became a starter and didn't really let it up unless I was injured, which happened a couple of times. But yeah, it it really started as a walk-on, just demonstrated my work ethic and just drive and willingness to push through what other guys were not willing to. And going harder in workouts. First one there, last to leave, you know, doing everything that I could and it really paid off. And I learned a huge lesson through that. And that is hard work does pay off. And if you mm. really, put the time, the hours and the effort, you will see results. And that kind of guided me still to this day. And knowing that if I put in hard work, I will be able to see the results. It's,
0: it's awesome, man. It's, Talk about the, uh, an underdog story, right? The walk on turns into a, a you know, three year starter. You get like full time playing and and growing, and that's awesome, man. Like, what was it? So you said you mentioned your your trainer, and he helped you discover your fire. Mm-hmm. What what was that for you, Will? Like, what was it that kind of shifted that that kicked it into overdrive for you?
1: I think it was really. One of the quotes that he used to say all the time that is mental is to physical as three is to one, and so basically saying that mental is three times more important than physical. And so, oh wow, once so, I, yeah, once I that really just resonated with me big time, and because of that, it was like, yeah, I don't have all the physical gifts and the talents that some of the guys that I'm playing with here in the ACC. You know, most of them are going on to play in the NBA. A lot of them are first round, second round draft picks. So I realized I'm never going to be able to jump as high, be as fast, be as strong, be as quick, be as talented as these players. But what I can do is be mentally tougher than them. Mm. And what that led to was what I was talking about, being able to progress up from practice player, walk on to earning a full scholarship and starting. And I think it really was that quote that was a big part of it. And then also just daily him supporting me and giving me that inspiration and just encouragement being a second father figure to me away Mm. from home.
0: That's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. It's funny how sometimes it takes just a little bit of a seed to get you going like that to where you can latch onto it and grow it and you can facilitate that tremendous progress you can make when you commit to the work and it is a switch man there's a light switch that goes off once you recognize because we all know extremely talented people that don't amount to much in their life and then we have people that don't have anywhere near that level of talent that people come into the world with or develop as they get older and then they do so much more with what they have. And it comes down to their mental grit, their work ethic, their ability to grind out and get after it and, and outlast those people. I've come to realize, dude, talent is way overrated. If you're going to compare the mindset and grit to talent, like give me mindset and grit all day, every day, because that ultimately is what will last in the long run. And it sounds like your story is a testament to that, man. And you just carried it on into the military, into
1: the SEALs. Right. Yeah. I mean, once that foundation was set, it stayed with me for life. You know, I still carry that with me to this day. And it's funny that you said that about talent and work. Another quote that was in Coach Jackson's weight room, which it might still be there today, is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm. And, (laughs) you know, I could could probably spew out dozens of knowledge nuggets from this coach. Obviously, big part of my life. But yeah, it was, it was just going to show once that was ingrained in me, that hard work, that work ethic, knowing that it can produce results did stay with me when I got into the military for sure. Mm,
0: That's awesome, man. Well, it's, it's a testament to your commitment to the work and what you've been doing well over your career and where you are now. And I think the those situations sounds like they prepared you to handle that kind of dark space too, that you moved through once you left the seals. And a lot of that can happen. Like I've, I've had moments in my life where there's a vacuum of purpose and meaning. And I feel like, you know, the military and the seals, you've got this camaraderie, this brotherhood, and you've got purpose, you know, you, you're getting up, you're doing like, I know they're putting y'all to work. So that, that purpose matters a lot. I think in particular. I mean, all humans need this, but in particular, men need a purpose to drive our physical energy towards, our commitment towards, because when we lack that, we can feel out of sorts. And it sounds like that, that's what happened to you when you left the SEALs. It was kind of a, a void of purpose. Is that?
1: Totally, totally. And I think also having that in high school and in college and going through the SEALs and then getting out not knowing what I wanted to do. And on top of that, not having that team and community like I did in college and in the SEAL teams. But yeah, the purpose and that connection to a meaningful way of going about your day was just taken away from me. And I think it was a combination of that connection piece, not having that community and that team, that brotherhood surrounding me, And then also not having that purpose. So it really was a double whammy because I think those two are the most important things for mental health, having that connection and that purpose. And when both were taken away from me, I, yeah, the rug was just pulled out from underneath and definitely went through some struggles for sure.
0: Dude, a lot of a lot of people don't recover from that kind of stuff. Will some, some people turn to drugs? They turn to to alcohol. They 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 turn to just a lot of destructive behaviors because it's like the how do you deal with the that void, that pain? Because it's hurtful, man. Like we're we're meaning driven creatures. We create meaning in our life, and without meaning, life can be very empty and void and feel just pointless. And, mm-hmm. and so, I'm curious. What was it for you that started to shift? Like, how did you kind of climb out of that hole that you found yourself in?
1: Yeah, great question. So I started working with a social worker there, and she started leading me through some, it's called yoga nidra. It's this type of basically sleep type meditation. Mm. And found a lot of peace in that and was able to get back. You know, I was in a rough spot for sure definitely in a, in a hole of depression and that helped a lot. I also worked with our team's performance psychologist at the time. So that was really what helped me get into this spot where I knew that this stuff works. So just Mm -hmm. doing breathing with her more type of biofeedback, neurofeedback type training and figuring out what my next purpose Mm -hmm. in, in life would be. And so I think it was a combination of working with that social worker, doing yoga Nidra to really just get me into a good headspace, working with that performance psychologist and realizing this stuff works. And Mm. I started to become passionate about that. And then also working with what we had was the, it's called the seal future foundation. Mm. They provide you with a performance coach and a coach. More, more or less a transition coach getting from the military to civilian life, figuring out what your strengths are, what your interests are, where your values lie, and then combining that to come up with what your next plan of action could be. So starting to find, okay, where my next passion could lie. And that started to give me purpose again, connecting with these performance psychologists, social workers, and then finding that new community. I think all that in combination really helped. And lastly, that Seal Future Foundation, they have an app, which I still use almost daily. And it's a community of seals that have gotten out and are located in different places throughout the country. And Super so there's, cool. there's like a Denver community, which is where I'm located now, communities all over the country. And there's a seal group as well where guys can share insights of what's going on in their life. Maybe they're sharing jobs. Maybe they're just trying to help someone else out. It's just that community. And I'm still connected with that, which is incredible.
0: That's amazing, man. So was that, was that through resources from the military and the government, like to help mm-hmm. you get all connected with a social worker or the psychologist? And then this fi- is the SEAL Future Foundation. Is that a nonprofit organization or is that a I'm part of sure. the government? Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Cause
0: that, those types of organizations are absolutely the ones that I love to support. And I I hope that listeners out there, like I'll make sure to link to that too, because it sounds like they're doing great work, building community and offering y'all resources once you get out. Cause so important, man. Phenomenal.
1: And like I was saying, some guys that are getting out now going through some of the same struggles, pushing them towards that app and towards that nonprofit. So, so hopeful. That's, that's, that's awesome.
0: Well, then, so was it your work with the sports psychologist that started to, to inspire you maybe a little bit to get going with your own journey as a performance coach and, and pursue a master's degree?
1: Definitely, definitely. And when I was working with her, that's when I realized, okay, some of these techniques work. Like doing this breathing really gets you in a calmer headspace and then I can <laughs> think more clearly. So with that, I know that I can perform better once I'm in a good mental spot. But if I'm super stressed out, I'm anxious, not having, you know, just not a good headspace in general, probably not going to be able to perform like I want to. And so it was being able to overcome those mental hurdles and obstacles myself personally working with this performance psychologist that I realized, okay, these work and this is something that I'm passionate about. I really enjoy this following where your interests lie and what gets you excited and energized. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So that really is what put me on that path to performance psychology. And I will say that I originally, and still to this day, am not super keen on going back into military and working, especially not with seals. I think honestly more interested in working with the athlete side, just because just where I find my interests lie more but i do really get just pleasure and joy out of helping veterans that have gone through the same thing as me man. but as far as performance enhancement really enjoy working with athletes super
0: cool well what i love about that will is you know with personal development man it's often we find ourselves in dark places we have to assemble and discover tools sometimes it's people that help us find those tools but we have to take those tools we have to pick them up and we have to use them and apply them in our own lives and ultimately That gives us the power. And so no matter where we come from, that's, what's cool about this work is you can share tools and strategies that can help potentially, but we have to pick up those things and apply them in our life. No one can rescue us. No one can save us. I mean, you mentioned several people that have influenced you and impacted you in your life in this interview already. And, but none of that matters if you don't apply those things in your life. So uh, kudos to you for doing that, but also listeners realizing like we can listen to a million podcasts, we can read a million books, we can have the best performance coaches in the world, but if we don't take what they're teaching us and apply it, our life's not going to change. I mean, you're a testament to that, Will, and, and it's interesting to me that you feel yourself drawn more to the athletic side because that's the go where the energy flows, right? The best thing, that's, that's good, that's a, a wise right. decision for sure, but right. it's, it's cool because you can point to your your seal vets your friends and say guys this worked for me check it out cuz it sounds like there's already a great process in place to support former veterans and and help them with the mental health side and then dude perhaps you know some of these guys go through that work they might be coming up to you and you get y'all you can bring them up on your team at, at the company you're building right now and growing right. as a as a performance coach too but right um so how long have you From when you made the pivot, you got your master's degree and then you're, you're now doing, you're with the company that you're with, you're a co-founder there. Like what, how did that come about?
1: Yeah. So I was getting out and like we were saying, I found performance psychology and that was what I was passionate about. So then wanted to get my master's so I can have that degree and certification behind my name. So it's not just a, I think... Having that credibility as a CEO and as a former division one athlete is, is huge. But then adding that educational piece to say, okay, these aren't just rooted in personal experiences. This is also based in what science and research is saying as well. So having that backing was important to me. Mm-hmm. So went to university of Denver and got my master's in sport performance psychology from that school and great university, loved it. There It was a great program, learned so much more than my personal experiences. And so from there, I received an email, I think it was towards the end of my first year of the program that this app called AP Tennis, it was a mental performance app for tennis players and thought that was a really cool idea to be able to have this app that you're not having to work with someone individually all the time, but be able to strengthen your mental game through something that's just in your pocket. You know, having that convenience and that accessibility was really cool. So I just wanted to be a part of that. So I joined that towards the end of my first year in the program. And then I think it was towards the second year of the program. We really wanted to expand our market and not just target just tennis players. Obviously, knowing that we're helping a lot of tennis players and, and doing well in that market. But knowing that really everyone is a performer, if you think about it. Everyone needs to build confidence, to be more disciplined, to build resilience, stay present, moment focused when distractions pop up. In that regard, we're all performers, not just athletes in that. And so that is- I love that perspective,
0: by the way, Will. Love that perspective.
1: Right, right. And so that's when we started Superior Mind, the app that we just launched for working professionals, people, lawyers, doctors, accountants, podcasters, and literally- (laughs) literally anyone that wants to improve, expand their knowledge, build up their mental health as well, and just be where they want to be, reach, reach their goals.
0: Yeah. Reach deep, deep within and reach that potential that all of us have within us. Right. Cause that's the, totally, that's, that's a 100%. inspiring mission, man. Like. And it is, it's insane now with the capability of technology and how apps are available. Like, I, so I went through a, a coaching program called Positive Intelligence and they have a phenomenal app that helps you with your breath work, all these different mindfulness practices that you can deploy. And I, I can attest to the power of having an app on your phone that can be there with you whenever you need it. There, There is something to be said about that obviously the human connection is is critical to our our well-being and mental health for sure but when but mental reps that's what these apps allow us to do is they allow us to go to the mental gym and it sounds like that's what y'all are building there with your app and that's what I experienced as well it's that wasn't like that five years ago even 10 years ago like when I was heavy in the dark space like this the whole industry has expanded and evolved so much man and so like it's a time where there's a, so many messes with social media. There's a lot of people who have addictive behaviors. There's a lot of things to say, oh man, things are going really bad. But there's also so much incredible tools and technology now available to us that allows us to really become the best version of ourselves. And what I've come to realize, Will, what's cool about what y'all are doing is it's up to us. It's it's us. If we are the individuals committed and determined to make something of ourselves we absolutely can regardless of where we may find ourselves regardless of the setbacks we may experience it, that's why that mental toughness is so important because we truly can achieve amazing things but we do have to put in the work don't we we got to we got to get in and you got to get in the mental gym
1: so to speak right yes yes you do have to put in the work and i think a big thing that we're trying to do is like you were just saying earlier You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can read all the books, go through all the different apps and have everything, know what you need to do. But if you're not putting that into practice, then it's like you didn't even have the knowledge in the first place. It doesn't really matter that you got all that. And so a big, big thing that we're trying to do is utilize performance psychology, especially visualization and mental imagery to help turn that knowledge into action. Because when you visualize and you image something in your mind's eye, you're actually forming, it's using neuroplasticity to form these pathways. And so if you learn it, visualize yourself doing that, implementing it, then when you get to real life, it's like deja vu. It's, I've been there, done that. I've seen myself do this, whether it's performing or presenting confidently or blocking out distractions or doing a disciplined habit, whatever it may be. You've seen yourself do it. And so once you see yourself do it, it really solidifies those neural connections in our brains, which the abundance of research is showing just how effective it can be to turn that into action.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what's wild is, is this isn't woo woo stuff. This used to be kind of new age or spiritual concepts, but what modern science and brain research is showing us that this is all valid the imagery the brain plasticity i mean it used to be this point of con- that we our brains basically stopped growing or being flexible once you reach a certain age and we've come to realize that that's not at all the truth if right. if we continue to work and exercise and and push those mental muscles we can stay flexible we can stay strong mentally and there really is like we are pushing the boundaries of what's possible as we expand with brain science and research like this, to neuroscience, it's so cool, man, because what you're describing is a a guy like you 10 years ago would be laughed out of a room for talking like this kind of stuff because it's, oh, what is this imagery, imagination stuff? But it's, it's tangible and it really does set the stage for us mentally to allow it to come into our physical reality. And when we enter that moment, We are prepared. We are ready. And you can even apply that with goals you want to achieve, like not just how you're performing in a role or things that you want to accomplish, but like if you want a certain home, my wife and I are doing this currently will like we go to a place here in Charlotte on a weekly basis that we are absolutely set on moving to. We go there. We have our coffee. We look at the lake. We're anchoring, dude. We're imagining, we're envisioning. This stuff is tangible. I can't wait to share at a time point in the future that we made that a reality. So the work that y'all are doing is so valid and crucial, but it's great, too, that science is finally catching up to, to many of the things that the spiritual community has really known for a long, long time.
1: For sure. And I think the verbiage has changed. Now it's mental imagery and visualization, whereas before is you know, manifest it, manifest it. So mm-hmm. A lot of people have been using Manifested for decades and decades, and it's been a thing the whole time, but you're right. Now we have neuroimaging and research that are coming out showing, for example, that when you visualize something and when you perform it in physicality, you're activating the exact same regions of your brains and overlapping regions of your brains. So it really is forming this muscle memory or brain-body connection, whatever you want to call it. And... It just hasn't been something that's been in our verbiage until maybe the past decade, really. And like you said, it was more of either like a spiritual or woo woo, or maybe people were saying manifest it and they were doing something very similar, but didn't have the words behind it. So yeah, whatever you want to call it, it works. And (laughs) I I know, I know from personal experience and now from doing research and, and studying the research, find it too.
0: Yeah. That's it's super rad, man. Well, and I think something that I found I'm I'm happy and welcoming the shift around the way we speak about these things and these topics because there is one of the first things that I discovered many years ago was the secret. And I really that was like this whole and I did that, the visualizations and the the repetition in your mind and but I didn't understand the importance of action too. Like you you can't just like you can't just do things in your mind. Like you, it's a bridge. Like we have to, just like we were talking about with the insights, the books, the podcasts, like the insights are important, but so much of it is applying it in the application. And, and when, when I think of the word manifest, I think about just magically things happening. And, and that's not the case. I think that's, I'm glad I mean, that we're coming around to, we're bridging these kind of ethereal concepts to to hard science because there has to be a bridge of action to bring those things to life even if we are great at visualization and learning these tools it's about seeing it and then getting after it and bringing it to life and work would, would you right. would, would you I'm curious about your perspective on the visualization components and the work that you do as a mental coach but then bringing those things to life
1: yeah i think what that makes me think of is you have to see it to believe it Whereas the other opposite is really true. And that is once you believe it and it's in your mind, then you can make it happen. Then you'll see it in actuality. And so first it's being able to craft your goal wherever you want to be in your mind, see it happening, You know, believe that it's going to happen, really have confidence, such a big thing for anything that you want to achieve. And then once you believe it, then you can see it. Mm. And I think that's just such a huge component that a lot of people maybe don't understand or haven't come to realize yet.
0: And so with the, with your work as a mental performance coach, a lot of it is starting with the belief component. Like you got to believe first and the work that you're doing with athletes and through the app is to help them level up their belief in themselves and their ability to create and accomplish. Is that-
1: for sure what you're doing yeah yeah confidence is always something that's weaved in regardless of what the athlete wants to work on and i think purpose like we talked about earlier is always the first thing that we start with because it doesn't matter how confident or unconfident how talented untalented On days that things get tough on when things aren't going your way if you don't have that strong purpose or that strong why as your foundation and that baseline then none of the other stuff really matters Hmm.
0: What, what are some things that you do with clients or people at the company that you're all working with athletes and things to help them discover their purpose? Cause that's something that I know for sure. A lot of people struggle with. It's like they, my, I I do another podcast with my co-host, and we talk about, we were talking about purpose and kind of thinking about purpose and Gandhi or Nelson Mandela. Like when we think of purpose, like these huge humans who've done these incredible things, but. I think that's misleading. Like our purpose doesn't need to be this crazy, insane concept. I think sometimes it's just being an authentic, loving human and the work that you do can be a strong purpose. So I'm curious from your perspective, like what are you guys doing to help and, and what are some challenges you see?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I totally agree with that. When you think of like this ultimate huge purpose and I don't, I don't think we're Born with a purpose. And I also don't think that we just stumble upon it. I think it's something that you actively create Mm. out of your beliefs and your values and what's most important to you in life. And so, what I typically do is have athletes or just anyone in general think about 10 to 20 years from now down the road. Where are you? Who are you with? What are you doing based on what's most important to you? And don't think about what is most likely gonna be the case. Think about the most ideal scenario. It's 10 to 20 years from now. Where are you based on what's most important to you and see that in your mind's eye, where, where you are, who you're with, what you're doing, and just let that ideal scenario fester in your mind for a little bit. And then based off where you see yourself, then assess where you are right now. Where you are right now, where you want to go, And then build out those steps, that process of getting there. So navigating, it's like a GPS system. So finding that direction of where you want to go, creating those action steps of getting there. And the way you do that is listing out, what do you believe in? What are my biggest, most important core values? What's most important to me in my life? Is it my work? Is it my family? There's really no right or wrong answer if something. If your faith is more important to you than your family or your work is more important to you than whatever, there's no right or wrong answer in finding your purpose. It's really, what, are, what is at my core most important to me at the end of the day if everything else was stripped away? These are most important things to me. Where do I see myself in 10 to 20 years in the most ideal scenario? And then getting there, living, living with purpose is taking those steps to get you to that ideal place that's aligned with your core values.
0: Mm, Man, that's a phenomenal exercise, man. I love that. And that's cool because listeners who are tuning in, y'all can do that yourselves. If you're struggling with purpose or if you're feeling uncertain about what that is, or just overwhelmed with the concept of purpose, which I think happens to a lot of people. That's what I was mentioning earlier. That's a very practical exercise you just mentioned, Will, that you could deploy in your life and, and lean into what it is. And you also said something very important that's what matters to you is what matters, not what society tells you or not what your family tells you. Like you need to know your values and what those values are. If it's making a billion dollars, then fine. But make sure it's in your heart. If it's having a family and just having a good job, but you want to prioritize your kids, that's great too. There's no right or wrong answer. I love that you said that because it's the wrong answer is doing something that you think other people want you to do. That's the wrong thing. The right. the right answer is honoring what it is that lives in your heart and then aligning your life to it each day, right? Bit by bit. We also don't recognize the compounding components when we shift our perspective like that and start doing little things. I made this mistake when I was younger, Will, is I have always had big vision for my life, but I would get overwhelmed with how I go about making changes. And I would try and make these massive changes. It would never stick. It was just, you know. But because so we have to learn and realize that big changes happen in small tiny steps, right? Right. Like and you do it bit by bit. And then over time, you'll look back ten years later and be like, dude, I'm I'm completely different than the person I imagine going back and talking to yourself ten years ago, thinking about how different you are, right? So when when we get overwhelmed from some things like that, I'm curious from your perspective, Will, like what are, what are some things that you think we can do to ground these concepts in everyday life as a practice?
1: Yeah, I love that. It's really breaking it down into the smallest segments, chunks possible. Hmm. And I've worked with athletes that are, okay, now I want to play in college, you know, high school athlete that wants to reach the college of their dream or college athlete that wants to play professionally or whatever it may be reaching to that next level. Typically what you see is an athlete is, I need to increase my bench. I need to run faster. I need to do this, this, this. And they have all these bodacious goals, which is great. And I love the the drive and the aspirations to do all these things, but you have to break it down into bite-sized chunks. And when it really comes down to it, I think what I resort back to is hell week of SEAL training. When you're going for a week straight without stopping, on Wednesday you get about an hour nap, Thursday you get about an hour nap. But other than that, you're constantly, constantly going. And so if you think on Sunday, two days from now, four days, five days from now, I'm not stopping. This is not gonna stop this whole time. It is completely overwhelming and you'll never make it there. But if you tell yourself, all I gotta do is Make it through this evolution right now. Maybe the evolution involves running 30 miles. Maybe it's just, okay, I'm just going to make it to that next pole up there. Or I'm just going to make it to my next meal. Just really, really break it down. And when you break it down to those bite-sized chunks, not one single chunk is going to be too hard. But when you try to see from that whole huge picture, I need to get there, that's when things get overwhelming. And that's when you either quit, you get hurt, you don't mm. reach that end goal but just really breaking things down. And so when you're talking about what you just asked change, where do you want to go? See that end goal, have that in mind, but then how can you break it down into really day-to-day bite-sized chunks that are manageable for you?
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love the visualization too. First, could not imagine how hellish Hell Week is. Just you describing it sounds insane, but also how I could... Thinking about it from a, an obstacle or something to accomplish, if you were to think about the week itself and your Monday or, or Sunday, you know, early, dude, you're done. You're already done. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if you can think about, I'm going to get through this exercise or I'm going to hit that pole or I'm going to get through this meal. You're now, and what ends up happening, and this is what we don't realize is momentum starts to build. We start to gain confidence in our ability to say, you know what, actually I can do hard things. I can push through challenging situations. And you start to gain momentum from your own progress of little victories. And those little victories are what end up making big accomplishments over time and over expanded periods of time. But if we don't realize it's the little moments, the little wins, then we never allow ourselves to even get to that point, do we?
1: Right, right. And that's what life is. Life is little victories. And if you're living for that big victory, you're going to have a tough time getting through the day-to-day because those come once in a blue moon. Every every once in a while, you'll get a huge victory. But if you're not paying attention to, and not just paying attention to, but acknowledging and even celebrating, really looking back and giving yourself a, a pat on the back for the things that you did. And like you said, that is what builds momentum. That builds confidence. And it's extremely empowering to know that you can get through those small chunks and those difficult things, those small little wins, once those start to add up, it's phenomenal. And you do reach that big, huge victory, but it really is through those small wins, daily, daily struggles and overcoming those that lead to the big wins.
0: Yeah. And I love too, that you talk about life as a journey, Really, that that's something, too, that I've had to learn that as well. The hard way is chasing the big accomplishments. If I can only do this, then I'll be this. If I only have this much money, then I'll be happy or if, et cetera, et cetera. All of us do this. I, I did that a lot when I was younger. But I th- that was a mistake that many of us make. And realizing that life is a journey, it really is this. It's a lifelong journey. It's not about the accomplishments that we achieve, it's the participation in life itself, the actions, all the learning, the growth. What changed for me, Will, is I read Mindset by Carol Dweck, and Mm. that is I I didn't realize, one, how fixed my mind was with like talented people. I just simply thought I didn't have the ability or the skills to do certain things, so I never tried. I also didn't realize that making mistakes is actually a wonderful thing, that's okay. how you know you're in the game, you're in learning, you're growing. And so the shifting around the mindset of of leaning into mistakes and learning and growth and going more towards a journey perspective versus the end state or the, the place that you're trying to go. If we focus on that place, we literally will miss all of life because if you have big goals, it might take you 30, 40 years to legitimately achieve them. But if you're only going to be happy when you achieve them 30 or 40 years later, your whole life is gone.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So it is important that we balance that, isn't it?
1: For sure. And I think it's just a lesson in gratitude, really. Mm. Uh, You know, obviously fixed mindset, and gross mindset plays a huge factor in that. But if you think about it, put yourself in your shoes five years ago or a couple months ago, you were looking forward to a time where something you wanted now that you have it, or now you are that person. So for example, maybe it was a job or maybe it was a relationship that you really wanted to be in or owning a house, whatever it may be. One of those things you have now, and I guarantee you, it's not something that you're looking at from perspective of back then. So back then, maybe five years ago, I really wanted to be in this relationship and own this house. Well, now you're there again whatever example it may be, but are you feeling that same sort of fulfillment and that same sort of anticipation that you had five years ago now that you're in that spot? And my guess is probably not. And that's because you're looking forward to it as this end all be all this is, this is it. And then you have it. And it's really not, it's really not (laughs) all that you chalked it up to be. Yeah. It's, it's awesome, but it really takes those being grateful for everything along the way and being grateful for what you have because what you have that is what brings happiness and contentment and knowing that you're just grateful for the the steps along the journey
0: yeah man that's a gratitude practice was one thing that really transformed my life because it's easy to forget how far we've come the things that we accomplish what we achieve what we have and to because our that's what our brains do too. They level set the moment we have these big hits, we have these big accomplishments, we feel this elevation on it, and then we drop back down to our baseline. That's just that's going to happen with all of us, no matter how much incredible things we achieve. That's also the danger of success if we don't learn these things internally, because you can destroy yourself. And there's a lot of the episode that I released today, it's the sixteenth today, November. Mm -hmm. Alexa Carter was the episode that came out today. She achieved success very early and she was in Hollywood and Disney and all this stuff. And she learned about all the toxicity of that. And my point is, Will, is if we don't learn these things, gratitude practice, journaling, breath work, meditation, the importance of community, being in nature, like we can forget all that and we can get consumed by success. And ultimately, our goals can be the thing that our, our demise so that totally. gratitude is the counter to all that, isn't it?
1: Right. Yeah. Gratitude. And in addition to what you were saying earlier is looking at failures and mistakes as key players in getting to where you want to be. And obviously I just touched on gratitude, but as far as viewing mistakes as stepping stones into success, so big. I mean, think about anything that you've achieved that you consider a success. I guarantee you went through struggle, you made mistakes, you failed over and over and over again along the way. And so if you can view those as the catalyst, as the stepping stone, as the pathway to success, then that, that mindset is going to get you to where you want to be. But when you view those as, ah, this sucks, or I can't believe that happened, or just really focusing on those problems and everything that's not going right and those things as detriments along your journey, then you're never gonna to get to where you wanna be. But as soon as you look at that as stepping stones, as that catalyst, that's where you find success.
0: Well, I mean, I gotta say, Will, that was a personal game-changing point for me. Once I started realizing that these were opportunities to learn, to grow, they were actually blessings, they're signals to where you can get better, to improve upon. Like, dude, there's so many things that I'm doing today that I had no clue how to do five years ago not a single clue. And, but it was only through learning, making mistakes, picking myself up, growing. All right, wait, I did this wrong. Let me go see what's up with this. Let me talk to somebody else who's done it. Let's see what their perspective is. Let's read some books on it, apply. It's, it's, again, it's coming back to that learning and application, learning and application. And that's what mistakes are, is they're, they're signals, they're learning points for us to adopt, grow from, and then apply and adapt. Like it's, But that what is crazy about this is it becomes fun. You don't you're not embarrassed about mistakes or you don't try to hide them, which is a components of the fixed mindset. You embrace them. You lean into them. You celebrate them. You know, all right, this mistake means I'm one step closer to where I want to be. Every time I'm doing these things, I'm getting closer and closer to where I want to be. But it takes time to get to that point, doesn't it? You got that's the mental component of it all, isn't it?
1: Right, right. I think prefacing and having that realistic expectation is so, so important because if you think, oh, I failed, I made a mistake. Woo. You know, this is right off the get-go. It's not going to be like that. It typically is pretty uncomfortable and it's not a good feeling. When you're in the moment of a failure of a mistake, yeah, it's difficult and it's something that you will feel and your emotions are powerful things. And what you have to realize is that it is a process and maybe you make a mistake and then two minutes later you realize okay that was actually good because now i learned now i learned this lesson from it but maybe it's keep going down the road and it's a little bit faster and faster and faster that you realize okay right after the mistake happens this is this is a good thing but sometimes it really does take a process of getting to that point so that you can see the mistakes and failures that you make as good things and teachers and those stepping stones. But going in again with that expectation that it's not going to be happy-go-lucky, sun's under rainbows when you're making mistakes and failures right off the get-go. And maybe yeah. not ever, but still being able to view them as teachers and as good lessons learned to get you where you want to be.
0: Yeah, well, and that's that's a great point, man. Because it, it it is going to be very uncomfortable, regardless. Even and like the more you get used to this, it's still uncomfortable. I think that's the big thing: is is get comfortable being uncomfortable. If if you're going to stretch it and reach to to find fulfillment, because it will it'll just make the process more enjoyable. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. You're going to have crappy days. You're going to have crappy time periods, like when you're trying to do incredible things, if, if you're striving to do and live an authentic life. And when I say incredible things, I mean, living true to who you are, living true to your values, living an honorable life, regardless of what other people say, no matter what, that, that doesn't mean you have to go out and build some epic company. If you're living honestly and authentically in your life, in an ordinary life, that's an extraordinary feat because the world is constantly trying to push us towards certain things. We're constantly being told what's right or not right, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. So if you have the courage to stand up and live true to those values, regardless of what the world around you says, you're living an extraordinary life. That's, that's my perspective.
1: For sure. For sure. And I really want to tap on that comfortable being uncomfortable thing because I think that's an expression that's used a lot, but I don't think it's very much clarified as much as it should be a lot of times and i think the way i like to teach it and describe it is that getting comfortable being uncomfortable is never really a thing you're never going to be comfortable being (laughs) uncomfortable but you can get more used to being uncomfortable and when you're used to being uncomfortable pushing yourself a little bit outside that comfort zone which another key aspect is bringing yourself back into it because if you're constantly overstretching too far you're going to burn out and that's not yep. a good thing. But if you're always sitting inside that comfort zone, that's not going to lead to anything either. So, getting used to pushing yourself out a little bit so outside your comfort zone, coming back in, recovering, and then pushing yourself back out again, getting used to that process of feeling uncomfortable. I think a lot of people misunderstand the comfortable being uncomfortable thing because really, when you're uncomfortable,
0: it's, never, it's uncomfortable. It, right. It's exactly. Not, yeah. So it, it really is getting used to it. That's, that's a great point, man. I love that. That, that honestly is a great point because you, you really aren't comfortable. It's not like I'm comfortable when I'm in my robe and I'm downstairs on my couch, chilling out with my wife and my little girl, and we're right. watching a Disney movie. That's comfort. But right. when I'm out stretching myself, doing things that are, I don't know how to do, or I'm, this this is, I, I, that's a great clarification because, but you, the key is is you learn to lean into that, you learn to embrace that discomfort. and I think that's the thing is it's like that's what you're saying is is exactly. embrace the discomfort, get good at in- leaning into it, but then coming back, recovering, resting. Rest is super important, man. People don't like you can't understate rest and the value that rest has mm-hmm. in our life and recovery. And I love that you brought that up. but so right. will, I wanna I want to, if you can what is, how can the audience get in touch with you and what you're working on? And then a a final kind of parting message that you have. So, so we'll do those in two parts, if you will.
1: Okay. So getting in touch with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Just search my name, Will Johnston. And you can also find Superior Mind, what I'm working on through our website, superiormind.app. It's also on the app store and Google play. If you just type in Superior Mind and it's one word, but it should come up if you put it in two words. So superior mind, one word together, find me and my work through that way. Not big social media guy. So if you have a hard press time finding me on social media, I do have an Instagram, but yeah, it's Facebook, no, TikTok, no, Twitter, no, or X. So social media wise, LinkedIn and then superior mind. And then awesome.
0: We'll and we'll make sure I'll make yes. sure to link to all that, Will. I'll link to your LinkedIn, I'll link to the Superior Mind app for you guys and what you're doing. Uh there's a couple other things that you mentioned that I'll link to as well in the show notes so everybody can have accessibility to that for sure. But
1: awesome. then
0: yeah, I'd love to hear your parting message too, man, if you
1: if you will. Yeah, parting message is something that's been sitting with me recently. And it's something that we talked about a little bit in this in this show is being consistent. And the small, daily, consistent habits that you engage in are so much more important than the one-time marathon perfect, great things that you do. And the way I I like to describe it is, if if you eat perfectly in one day, but then the rest of the days of the week, you're eating crappy, you're not gonna get to that goal weight or that health you want to. Same with a workout. If you have a marathon workout, run literally a marathon, 26.2 in one day, And then the rest of the day, you don't even get off the couch. You're not going to get to where you want to versus a lot of times, maybe our workouts or maybe what we ate wasn't as ideal as we want it to be, or I'm using nutrition and physical activity as an example, but this applies to anything. Mental, physical, spiritual, financial that you want. Those small incremental consistent habits that may not be as perfect as we want to on a day-to-day basis those add up so much more than those big one-time things. And so really, really trying to tap in to those daily habits, even if they're not as perfect as you want to, know that those compound and add up to that success at the end.
0: I love it, Will. That's a phenomenal closing message, man, to really ground. Because some of this stuff, it's easy to get lost in high-level concepts. That's something that I really want to take pride in is, is trying to ground these concepts in practical strategies that people can apply who are listening and i think that's a great way to to really ground it in practicality man because it is though we we overestimate what we can do in a day but we underestimate what we can do in a decade and Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you're pointing to is is don't underestimate what you can do in a decade and focus on those small tiny wins each bit by bit and just trust the process isn't it it's a lot of Mm -hmm. trusting the process totally will man this was this was a a great treat brother i really appreciate you coming on to the audience, I hope you found value in our conversation. If you found value in it, please share and and subscribe if you can. This is really what it's about, having great guests on like will and sharing concepts and strategies that have helped helped each of us really grow in our own journey of personal development. I think that's what's so cool about the world we live in now is we're kind of moving away from the whole expert, everybody, you know like we all have purpose, we all have passions, and how we pursue it we can all grow and become phenomenal humans. And I think it's great that each of us bring that wisdom and experience and journey it. So Will, man, thanks for sharing yours, brother. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, Listen to some of your episodes and I've learned a lot through that. And so I really appreciate what you're doing and putting out such great content and impacting many people's lives. So really appreciate oh, what you're doing and thanks for having me
0: on. Well, dude, that means a lot. It really does. That's honestly what it's about. I, I really, really appreciate that. So So, Will, thank you, brother, for the audience. Appreciate you guys. Y'all, we'll be back uh, every Thursday as we usually are. So until next time, y'all. Thank you for listening to Order Within. If you found the episode helpful, please consider sharing, rating, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next time, y'all.